Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now, like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and Hey Neve. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Warning, things are about to get intense. Like when you stare into the eyes of someone that you really like for a full minute straight without blinking. Intense, intense heat, lasting plump from the hot new lifter plump from Maybelline, New York. Formulated with chili pepper, lifter plump delivers a heated sensation for an instant lip plumping effect that lasts available in eight sizzling shades honestly my favorite is hot honey and cocoa zing i put it on my lips and honestly it did sizzle them it sizzled them right to the moon they were plump and juicy and everyone was like nicole can i and i'm like get in line can you take the heat find your shade at maybelline.com or a retailer near you Amazon shoppers get 10% off Lifter Plump purchase with code 10PLUMP for a limited time. you date me a podcast where me nicole buyer was trying to figure out why i'm still single but guess what it's been a long time nobody knows my guest today is a stand-up comedian lgbtq plus activist writer and musician you've seen them in shrill and gray's anatomy as their first non-binary doctor their new five song ep titled violence is out today it's E-R Fight Master! <laughs> the way that you've done it, I've never felt like more of a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> I I try to give people um, an intro that, that excites them and makes them feel good. Yeah, it did. I feel really, I feel strong. Yes, that's what I want. Um, E-R, can I just say that you have lovely hair? It's very lush and uh, quaffed in a way that, like, the layers are really speaking to me. Thank you so much. I, I want you to know that you can't see the back right now. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the back, there's just, like, a hole where some animals are living. But it, thank you for saying that about the front. It feels good. Oh, well, you're welcome. I have an animal, I think, living in my attic, and I think it died because oh. it's all stinky, and it's really upsetting. You know, I don't know how I knew I was going to talk about this today, but I've been dealing with a singular rat. And it really, I like feel like I have a roommate. You know what I mean? Like I'm coming home like (laughs) thinking about where she goes and like, I hope she's not in the living room because I'd love to watch TV. Like Mm -hmm. I hope she's not in the kitchen because I plan on cooking. Like she's a full person to me now. And it's fucking awful. Have you named this rat? 
Um, gosh, I really probably should, but I don't want her to feel like that comfortable. I get it. I fully get it. In my apartment in New York, one of my first ones, we had a mouse that lived in our oven. Oh, and yeah. you'd be watching TV and the mouse would just be like, <laughs> we don't know what the mouse was doing. But then once, like we started feeding it blueberries because it didn't like anything that we put in the rat traps. And then I think the blueberries <laughs> indicated that we were friendly yeah. because then the mouse would sit on the couch and watch TV with us. And we wouldn't notice until you like look down and you'd be like, Bo, oh, get away. And it would like pause and stare at us. And you'd be like, no, you have to go. It was terrible. But you've been feeding it fresh fruit. Like you can absolutely see their confusion. <laughs> Mine is in the oven I too. It, that's, it's so fucked up. I like... Well, and the, the the thing that's messed up, too, is that, like, I don't want it to die. Like, I want it to yeah. leave. Like a roommate, honestly. I want it out, but <laughs> I don't want to kill it. And I heard the rat trap go off the other day. And, like, this was, like, a thing that my landlord had put in place. But I've had, I've done, like, a glue trap thing before in Chicago. And mm -hmm. I was, like, I vowed to never do that again. And so we did a rat trap. And I was, like, oh, this is against all my instincts, but whatever. And the rat trap went off at night. Like, that big bang. And I felt like grief. Yeah. And then I got in the kitchen and this bitch was like literally just like barbell pressed the rat trap <laughs> off of her. I'm like, watch out, looked at me, looked at me like she knew that I put it there. I was like, oh, I'll remember that. And then ran into the oven. Oh, no, that's not good. That's yeah. not good at all. <laughs> but also, I'm kind of happy that it, it, it didn't die. Me too. But it is kind of funny, you know, to... This rat trap is now a home gym where it's like, oh, I gotta get my strength going. She she's built now. Like I I if I add blueberries to her diet, she's going to glow. She'll just have muscles and beautiful yeah. skin. Can I ask a really boring question? Yes, please. Is your name a stage name or your government name? Fightmaster is my government name. And that's fun. And ER is the my first two government names. And so all of it is a real name and i understand that it sounds like one really aggressive noun but since it's always been my name i ha i don't have that reaction to it until i hear it out loud sometimes from another person who's like kind of like er fight master and i'm like oh yeah yeah i guess i could see i do remember when i got cast on grays although we're on strike so i'm gonna pretend like i didn't say that right i don't know i remember when i got cast on that medical drama that uh when it was announced Everyone thought it was a spinoff. They were like, ER5 Master joins Grey's Anatomy. And everyone was like, huh, okay, weird. <laughs> like, but excited to watch. <laughs> Whatever this is, I'm down to watch it. This yeah. sounds like fun. This is going to be a blast. Yeah. It was just, just little old me. I like it. It's a fun name. I wish I had a fun name. Nicole Byer just sounds plain and boring and stupid, but ER Fightmaster. I think it's a cool ass name. I like actually have thought that about you for a long time where you have like one of those names that fits energetically. Oh. You know what I mean? Like like Nicole Byer has the right like consonant sounds to it. And there's some there's just something about a noun, like a nouny last name. Like Byer, mm -hmm. you are you you are invested. But I think Michelle Buteau has a name like that, where you're like, okay, French ass bitch. Like, it's just yeah. like these, there is something wonderfully grandiose about her name like she is. It's nice to have a name that fits. And like, I'm a warlord. She does have a so. good name.
And so everything's working out for all of us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like with your name, you should constantly be like leaving a dojo. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> yeah, that's just how I feel. Yeah. Um, Yar, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Are you single? Are you dating? Are you just not talking about it? Because that's also an option. I'm in a relationship and, and not talking about it. This this was a uh, in the last like couple of years. I have just entered that phase that I think we all kind of land on at some point where we're like, no, nobody needs to know that much about my life. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think you hit an age where you're like, I like home goods. I love a coupon. Uh, I like a deal. And I would like to keep a part of my life private. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really it happens. It happens fast. But then all of a sudden, you're like, I guess I don't need to post like about my relationship online and you know it's just like other people are going to post for you that's that's what Mm -hmm. i have found about our field other people are going to post for you so if you want to look you can find it you know it's Mm -hmm. it's but i i'm not going to give it to you and i think like having my last relationship my last relationship kind of ended as i was like reaching a new level in my career and i was really grateful for that because in some ways she got to avoid a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. and she still got enough bullshit that it weared on her i'm like okay great I, it, it's more about you know it's like i'll talk about my relationship as much as i can while protecting the other person because you don't want anybody to feel invested in a way that if it ends they have something to say about it you don't have anything to say about it you don't know what happened yeah i made the mistake of uh okay in december i posted that i was in a relationship with my friend dan and uh people got inexplicably well i guess not inexplicably i've been doing a podcast about being single for so long people were so excited Uh and i was like oh no what have i done but it was a very clear indication that when in not if but when i do get into like a committed relationship i don't think i'll post about it yeah and i think i will try to keep it uh i mean of course i'll be like yes i'm dating somebody but i think i'm I'm gonna try to keep it semi-private because other people being invested that i don't know is wild and you've given so much of yourself to them. Like, that's true. Like, you know, being an artist that's in any way frontward facing, like, they do get a lot of aspects of your life. So you have to keep certain things precious. And it's not even, it's not, I haven't gone on any podcast since that I'm single. But I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm keeping details precious because that is the stuff that you're like, oh, I just feel so overexposed right now. God damn it. Yeah. And that is like a weird thing and a very weird, uh, uh, line to have for yourself to be like, oh, I could talk about this, but like, also, I don't know. I don't know who I'm going to date. They might mm-hmm. be a person who didn't ask to be in the public eye. Like, mm-hmm. I I try to not talk about my sister very often because she didn't ask for this. Yeah. She didn't ask to be talked about. She didn't ask for people to like, you know, know details about her life and shit. I think that's smart. And I think my family thought that I was being really like too big for my britches, but when a lot of stuff started happening for me, I had them all go private. And mm-hmm. they were like, okay, sure. But then I was seeing, first of all, there are some really weird fucking videos where like the, they were finding all videos of me when I was like eight and being oh. like, how did this become this? And then it's a photo of me while I'm hot now. And it's like these TikTok videos where I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, puberty, first of all, you perverts. <laughs> But it was like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to be scrolling on TikTok and find a video of me and my dad. 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. And so it's, I ask, and I think that people that aren't in our industry think that all, every side of this, like, fame thing is very fun, but it's, it's not fun to have things taken without consent. And so it's like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay to upset my family members and look like a diva, but I want them to be protected, even if they think I'm being a bitch right now. I agree. That's like the whole AI of it all. Like, uh, Zelda Williams, Robin Williams's daughter was like, I've seen things where people make my dad's voice say something. Woof. And I was like, boy, oh boy. Ah, I'm sure that seems fun and great. But like, just think about the family of a person who's deceased. And now they're like, you're puppeting that person. Mm-hmm. Oh, that fucking sucks. Yeah, that's really sad. That's really sad. It's a the whole AI thing is just a step too far for me. Uh, I'm doing, I don't remember who posted about it, but it was like one of our friends. I think it was like, Ariel Dumas, Dumas, like, she's you know, a comedy writer, and she had mm-hmm. posted about, like, whenever somebody posts something positive about AI, I block them. And <laughs> like, that's kind of where I am right now. Like, if I see an image, it's like, you don't even know that this was created on AI. I'm like, block. I don't yeah, want that. Goodbye. Goodbye. I don't want that. It's like crowdsourcing material to, like, Frankenstein something together. It's mm-hmm. nasty. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's like the worst writer's room. <laughs> where everyone's just like pitching street jokes and like shit that's just been done it, it's everyone in the room is pitching don't talk to me till i've had my coffee <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like mm, i love that live laugh love <laughs> i live laugh love that girly it's giving <laughs> it's giving yes diva it's the live laugh love for me okay but i'd watch the show i would watch the show <laughs> Um, so you grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Was that a fun time? It's fun in the in the nineties in Cincinnati, Ohio. Nothing was happening, which was like great. Like you could, we were never home. The children were never home. We were running around in gangs. We were riding our bikes everywhere. <laughs> like it was absolutely fun. And and the, I mean, my complaint about it now is that there, it, it was just such a um, a mellow kind of quiet conservative town where nobody mm-hmm. was it wasn't like Trump, you know trumpism now but we just weren't seeing any diversity at all and we weren't seeing any like you know queer people just didn't exist at all and so i think it took me a long time to have any of the language i needed to like see a future for myself mm-hmm. and so that is my complaint about it there it's there's two sides of the coin like i had a nice kind of like gr- beautiful was able to go anywhere i wanted without getting kidnapped and <laughs> I didn't know what life was going to look like afterwards. Like, I was just so depressed, actually, as a kid, because I was like, I think something's wrong with me. And when you can't see yourself, you can't be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? So where are you from? I'm from Middletown, New Jersey, which is, I think, one in the same where it was like, oh, yeah, you could play all night, play all day, whatever. Uh, I never got kidnapped. Uh, <laughs> but my mother used to say if I did, they'd bring me right back because I talk so much. <laughs> Isn't it funny how much our moms hate us? (laughs) Truly. In hindsight, I was like, that's not a nice thing to say to somebody. You should be like, they'll keep me because I'm valuable. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thanks, mom. Yeah, like growing up and being removed from it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was like a very Republican town, very conservative. Now it's like a little bit more Trumpy because I guess that's like people's 
it's really weird. I talked about it before on this podcast, but like when people find a thing that they like, it becomes their whole personality, yes. whether it's like smoking weed or liking Trump. It's like, this is what I like. Yeah. And that's wild to me. But uh, we're talking about a certain like type of person, too, because what we're talking about is people that lack a, a visible identity or to them a visible identity. Yeah. And so th- they have to latch onto something. And so it is yeah. like, it is like, you know, white, white guy teenagers that are like, I am the pot leaf. And you're like, okay, Jason, <laughs> like, chill out. But you're right. Like, the people that in, in my life that became super attached to Trump were people that had in their minds no access to, to, identity communities that are in their minds being celebrated and cool right now like it's not cool to be um, a white woman in your 50s in america right now and this is all in quotations it's not cool and so they attach themselves to trumpism because they're like but my identity is celebrated here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just all misplaced. People like me. I've got my diva girlfriends. <laughs> we wear our Trump shirts and we go to rallies. <laughs> oh, fuck. Rallies rules. Oh, I thought you meant the fast food place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny. It's a funny idea that's like we all need and want community. And like, that's the community that some people have found. Yeah. Huh. They're having fun. Yeah. They are, I think. I I guess. I don't know. It's for me it's a little it's a little overwhelming. Have you watched uh The Ultimatum on Netflix? Which one? So okay, I've watched all of them. I've watched season one, the queer ultimatum mm-hmm. in season two. Yeah. Yeah. The queer ultimatum is my jam. I watched I watched the straight ultimatum as well. I can't remember m- m- much about it except that I was like literally shocked at the people who <laughs> stayed together. Like that woman, I mean, I all I remember is that like a couple getting like married or proposed to in a barn and she had basically outright said like, I hate him. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. <laughs> and then he proposed and she was like, what? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember that. But then Queer Ultimatum was my Super Bowl. I... Also really fucking loved it. I at first was like, Aussie is not meant for reality television. Mm-mm. And then later I was like, Aussie is unhinged and unwell. Um, this also I don't I don't know this person. I think that they're on the spectrum. That's that's my reading of them. I I full ass was like, you are the reason we don't think that you're meant for TV is because you're having like a very neurodivergent response to all of this. And then them being with someone who was so loud and aggressive, I was like, Mm-hmm. Oh, we're witnessing like this person is actually Aussie is like actually losing their mind because neurodivergent people can't stand being yelled at like that. Like that's not something mm-hmm. that they can handle because the rest of us would be like, like, I, I think a neurotypical person would have the ability to look back at her and go, can you shut the fuck up? Uh-huh. Stop talking. Literally, you're the one talking over me. Don't pretend it's up. But Aussie's like, <sighs> I feel like we were witnessing abuse. This is interesting because I didn't think of it that way because Tiff was very loud, very aggressive. But yeah, like thinking back, it's like, oh, Aussie just really shut down and literally packed a backpack and ran away. Uh Yeah, I packed a backpack neatly. (laughs) Okay, how ironed were those clothes? You know what I'm saying? Very, very ironed. Ironed, folded while ironed, I think, to to put some creases in things. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just so funny to me that the queer ultimatum was so much more interesting. The first one, the straight one, I was like, things that are happening are wild. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was so fucking boring. I watched the whole thing and I was like, 
So wait, all these people I think who should break up are together? Yeah. What are we doing? There was one lady who only talked about business, and I was like, this seems like an improv scene, where her game is, I love business. Oh, God. Yeah, I did just watch that one. I forgot which one. That, you're right. That's the second the second straight one. She only talked. And then she was with that guy that she did say that she hated. Yes. God, they all hate each other. That's weird. They all, all the straight couples hated each other. Yeah. And it reminds me of like stand up where, you know, the old jokes of like a guy being like my fucking wife. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, why do straight couples seem to like (laughs) seem to hate each other so much? No shit. I mean, I I was watching that with my partner and we were like, there was like, at one point I looked over and she was like crying because everyone was being so negative. And I was like, (laughs) first of all, we're going to be okay. But, but we, we, I screamed when I realized that the woman who loves business had been talking to the, the, her kind of like, you know, beta little white guy, like, mm-hmm. you know, Antonio, whatever his name was. Antonio, I think. Yes, it was Antonio. Like he was a decade younger than her. And mm-hmm. I was like, she looks great for 45 and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then when I found out she was literally a year older than him, I screamed. Like, that was, to me, deranged. That she was talking about, like, I'm in a different phase of my life than you. You're a child. You don't understand. You're going to go for women your own age after you leave. And I think that'll be a better fit for you a year apart. That's, I honestly didn't realize that. That is very, very wild. Psychotic. Very psychotic. And then I loved when... Alex was like, I don't think you respect him. And she's like, when did I say that? When did I say that? And he's like, well, stop going down that route. It's just how I'm interpreting it. And she's like, maybe you should stop interpreting. And I was like, this is funny. You don't understand how opinions work. Uh You do all this business, but you don't understand opinions? I think Alex is like a very stereotypical, like, uh, uh, bad guy. (laughs) Bad guy in that kind of like pathetic, quiet way. Where they're like mm-hmm. constantly manipulating, but they're not doing anything so agree. It's like covert, right? Like it's all covert yes. behavior. But I, she was, she did say that she didn't respect him, and and she said even said she said she didn't respect him in such an obvious way that I was like, oh, it's a really bad look for you to be lying this hard. Yeah, because we we can all watch back like we can all watch mm-hmm. every episode back, including Antonio. And I think when Antonio proposed to her at the very end. I think he was not full of joy. I think you could tell that he knew that she'd be shit talking to him the whole time. They were all very sad. And then the little, the the Southern girl who was with the big potato man, I call him a potato because he never smiled. Uh-huh. He was just so sad. And he was like, I'm full of secrets. And I was like, maybe you shouldn't be on television. Maybe you should go to therapy. I thought that his secret was um, going to be that he was gay. I also thought that was the secret yeah. because it was really eating him up. And he spent a lot of time being like, my mom drove a truck. And I was like, is this it? Uh-huh. And and then I thought that he was another guy that had tricked us and was dressed a bad, bad guy. Like when you saw him in the beginning, I was like, oh, there's a harmless potato boy. Like you're t- completely mm-hmm. right. <laughs> That's a harmless potato boy. But the ones that you think are harmless are often the ones that are so poorly behaved. It's like all these men are growing yes. up in a society where they're like, I feel like something's happening behind the scenes where they're all given one of four personality types and only one of them is not like overtly abusive. Yes, I agree. Because there was one episode where they got into a fight and he kept her up till 3 a.m. talking about it. And I was like, that's abuse. 
not letting someone sleep and like continuously arguing is a like go to sleep and talk about it in the morning when you both slept. Well, and then I think he hoovered her like he pulled her right back in with the it was con- there was like this constant dangling of the carrot of I yes. have a big secret. I have a big secret. Yes. And so he could be as poorly behaved and as abusive as he wanted to while he was like, in my mind, honestly, like formulating what this big secret was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then when she was like, you know, I can leave you. I want you to know that, like, I don't have to be here. He was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, would you leave me if you knew about this? Yeah. I've bruised my own arms. Yep. And I was so, I mean, listen, this is not like the the most politically correct stance to take because I, I, I've dealt with self-harm. I understand how debilitating it is. Using it to manipulate other people is never fucking okay. And so you talking about it as like a way to win somebody back, it, it immediately puts it in question for me because then it's not about, you know, you having a bad like shame response or you having a bad uh, reflexive system to your own behavior. It's you being like, well, will you leave me if I punch my own eyes? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Like it's it's you actually abusing them. And once you tell somebody that you're you're self-harming with the intent of keeping them around, part of like punching, part of men punching themselves in front of women or punching walls next to them is to let that woman know that they could be abused. Mm-hmm. Like I'm out of control, right? I'm punching a wall next to your head. I'm punching myself. You could be next. Well, he does literally say at one point, he was like, I'm not allowed to use my trauma to explain myself. And I was like, I don't, I I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't, I think, Mm-mm. I think your trauma can, I think you could very calmly say to someone, ooh, I really didn't like that because it reminded me of X, Y, and Z. I don't think you scream at them and then break a glass. And it was just so wild. I was like, I don't, no. some of these reality shows, I love dating reality shows, but I'm like, some of them get too much into like abusey territory yes. where there's no therapist, there's no there's no one to be like, "Hey, this this was bad." I completely agree. I think that the producers are are actually at this point because we've seen so much abuse. They're uh, and they're so I think they're not it. bringing on therapists for a reason because they they know that it will slow down the plot line. But I'm not asking them to slow down the plot line. Okay, like these people signed up for this reality show and all of America wants to watch spousal abuse. That's literally fine. But you, as a show, those producers have it on their con like on their conscience. It, if the series ends and we don't ever discuss what behavior was unacceptable, it's unacceptable that he broke that glass. Mm-hmm. And for us not to talk about it is fucking insane. It's unacceptable when somebody gets shoved. It's unacceptable when somebody's yelling. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I don't keep filming. I don't care. Just tell the audience afterwards so that you're giving somebody at at home who's watching this, if they're watching it with their abusive boyfriend in the room and they see it on TV and they're both seeing themselves and no one ever goes, that was bad, then it's actually being super normalized. I agree, because I feel like at the reunion, it should have been like, why did you break that glass? Why did you keep her up till 3 a.m. talking about this? Why did you say X, Y, and Z? Like, yeah, I I agree. I think there should be more accountability, and it is normalizing abuse, and it's it's normalizing bad behavior. Mm -hmm, But that's why I like, that's what I do actually appreciate about, like, TikTok, is you can go, and because right now I'm watching Love is Blind. And there, there was there, there was like th- this particular instance where this guy is like, you know, every other girl would have let me do that, or every other girl would be happy Ooh. about it. And it, it's 
this TikTok person like immediately duetted it and showed us this this term called like using the invisible army, which is a mode mm. of manipulation, which is how we abuse our partners, which is I never have to state any opinion that I have. I use my invisible army to state their opinions and make you feel isolated and stupid. And I was like, oh, that's genius. Mm-hmm. If if there was like just like a little bar. Remember when on MTV, when the songs would come up <laughs> when they were playing yeah. like underneath? I want that. But I want like, hey, this is what this is. Uh-huh. This is exactly what this... That would be honestly great. And then we could all learn. And we could keep watching. And then have to interrupt anything. Nothing. Didn't have to run to TikTok to be like, was this okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay, ER. Real quick, we have to take a break. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions and flirt with the locals. Me encanta muchacho. <laughs> without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. Bebop, boobop, hello, we're back. Okay, do you remember your first, uh, like, crush or, like, your first love? Like, how hardcore? Like, first first? Mm, the first where you're like, I feel it in my bones. I remember, um, I, yeah, I remember seeing my first, became my first partner, but my first girlfriend. I remember seeing her wearing, um, 
like athletic tights, like the ones that go underneath of uh, basketball shorts. Mm-hmm. And she had just like adjusted her shorts so that you could see the tights around her legs. And I was like 14 at the time. And I was like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> but you know, when you're a kid, it's always those like really small things. Like now it takes so much more because like, you know, our brains are old and we are have like been porn, pornized. But mm-hmm. at that moment, I was like, there's something so unbelievable about the spandex on the thigh. <laughs> and I didn't know what was happening, but I was the horniest I've ever been in my life. I love that. I love that so much. It's kind of like an Amish person showing an ankle and they're like, oh, yeah. ankle, what is that? It is true that when you're not supposed to be seeing it, it's so much better. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and then they became your your first partner. You were yeah. when was this? This is uh... we dated from like the time I was fourteen. We went to college together, so we we oh. went. We were two like two years into college, and then I switched to DePaul. But it was like fourteen to nineteen. I was with this person. Oh wow, those are some real formative years together. Well, and we were both like at the time we were both going through some real awful family stuff. So I, you know. I talk about her in really glowing terms because I think she was such a steady attachment figure for me during my teenage mm-hmm. years. And she was such a kind person. And it's it's my relationship with her is actually the reason that I'm like, oh, my God, I hope my kids are gay. Because it was so <laughs> much easier to I wasn't going through that process of like knowing what should come next, right? So like I remember what grade everyone started needing to get fingered in and then what grade <laughs> everyone started needing to give blowjobs and you know and then everyone was starting to have sex and I didn't have any of that um frameworking and so we were really doing what made us comfortable and what felt right and what we were excited about all the time. And so now I look back and I was like, we were banging when we were 15. But we didn't <laughs> even know that. You know what I mean? We were like, it, it's hard for kids now to understand how little gay material there was. Like, do you, you know, you just really didn't know what was happening. We knew it needed to be a secret. But it, still, we knew it was a secret and we had the adrenaline and hormones of kids that were going to do it anyway. We figured it out. That's nice, though. I feel like all of the awkward teen stuff that you, like, had each other, like, that's that's nice and that's kind. Yeah. That's very, you're very lucky. I lucked out. I really, really feel that way. And it, then, it, you know, getting into my 20s, I wasn't going, you know, I had the, the experimentation that I did that felt stupid was, when I was, like, trying to figure out what kind of, like, level of relationship I could have with a man that might be interesting to me. Mm-hmm. It really kind of turned out that, like, none of it was interesting to me. But that was the experimentation <laughs> that, like, my friends were doing in high school and feeling, like, humiliated about. And I was doing that as an adult, having already had good sex with somebody who loved me. And so it, it was, like, I had, like, a reverse experience in an awesome way. What about you? Who's your first? I truly, the first relationship I've ever been in was like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like a very, like a baby in relationships. Like I feel very stunted because I'm in my late 30s. I think, I think I'm 37 or 38. Maybe I'm 40. Who knows? <laughs> but I do feel uh, stunted in a way uh-huh. where 
I'm not going to interact with somebody else who's only been in one relationship. Right. Like most people have been in relationships. So, uh, yeah, it was just, it was very hard. And then when it ended, it was also very hard because it was like, oh, I don't, I've never broken up with someone before. I've never had someone who's in my life consistently and then they just go away. Like, that's fucking weird. Well, I'm sure you've answered this a million times on this podcast, but, you know, I, I guess I've got two questions. What are you looking Ooh. for in a relationship? And what, you know, how you're really good. You must be really good at alone time, which I actually think is a skill you have to learn. What makes you so good at alone time? I guess what I'm looking for is someone who is like fully emotionally available and like working on themselves and loves me and all my weird shit, um, is kind to me, uh, thinks I'm hot. I think they're hot. Uh, that like we have a mutual respect for each other and hopefully we like the same things, but if we don't, we're open to like, you know, making, not making, but like asking that person to do something that maybe isn't super exciting to them. Um, also, I like sitting on the couch and just like being together. Like that is one of my favorite things to do with somebody. And then alone time, I will say I'm not great at alone time. I'm usually very busy and like working or recording podcasts or touring or doing shows or just like filling my days. Um, but that person was around a lot and now they're not. So now I've just been, I've been trying to get better at alone time and I've been trying to like journal, which is one of the most upsetting things <laughs> because you'll write something down and read it like two months later and be like, oh my God, you're so fucking dramatic. Yeah, straight up like reading things back and be like, you fucking dork. Yes. Yes. Like I, I journaled at some point, I, I do it sporadically, but I was journaling, I guess it was like two years ago, three years ago. And I literally wrote, I saw a butterfly and cried. And I was like, what was happening? <laughs> Why didn't you write anything else down? <laughs> it was like May 14th, saw a butterfly and cried. What? <laughs> wow. I, I love that like little, that little romantic brain that lives inside of all of us. We're all like, we're all like having our what what's that fucking book in the the cabins like Walden, you know like our Walden moment when it's not Walden but we're all kind of want to pretend like we're having some kind of isolated like beautiful experience. Waldorf Emerson mm -mm. no no we're close we're close uh... and that's not it but it is like I'll read back on my diary and I'm either like bitching about something where I'm like you need to chill bitch or it's <laughs> me being like the leaves have never looked so green. And I'm, I then read it back and I'm like, you're a dork. Like this. <laughs> okay. Chill. Chill. Chill out. It's not that serious. But I will say when things are happening in the moment, it feels so serious. Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa, what was me? And then you, you know, a couple months down the line, you gain some clarity and you go, okay, you are being the most extra. That's the, that's the beauty of human experience. I, I'm like, tr as I get older, I'm trying to get really uh, 
conscious about how emotions are coming through me instead of like living in me. Like I'll say, I'll say like Ooh. I'm dealing with depression or I'm where I'm feeling depressed, but I won't say I am depressed because I'm mm -hmm. like, no, it's all passing. Like it's just and I'm feeling a lot of joy and I'm, you know, but it's it's even in those moments where I like write the dorky thing about, you know, the leaves have never been so green. I do. You do want to manage and, you know, or to pay homage to the moments where you are seeing beauty in that extreme way. So like with little kid brain eyes, because the next page is like this bitch at the bank. <laughs> and both, both of the extremes are what is making this life like so fun. It is wild. I... I've been trying to like, okay, here's, you asked about alone time. Uh, I'm in New York right now and I needed picture things. And I was like, okay, I could order this on Amazon and get it in two days, or I can just leave this apartment <laughs> and go interact with the world and get it right now and hang my pictures right now. So I was like, all right. So I put on clothes and like left and then went on a lovely little stroll and, you know, saw some fun dogs and I saw a mom scream at her child. Yes. And then I found picture things to hang. And I was like, you know what? That was nice. That was nice alone time. I listened to music. Um, but yeah, that's like the the funny thing about life. You go from a, a butterfly made me cry to like, well, just go out in the world and have a nice time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yourself a coffee, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's I think it's more than reasonable for you to be able to find that person. That's that's actually the truth. And I think that uh, you having such clear wants is is really. I th I think people that are in toxic relationships will tell you that all the things that you listed, you might be asking for too much. And mm -hmm. I can like very confidently tell you that, like my partner, it, it is one of those situations where I'm like everything, every part of my life is better because she's in it. And and we have our own separate identities and we have our own things that we, you know, we like individually, we come together on. But it's it's the first time in my life, you know, outside of my actually my first relationship, it's the first time in my life that I've ever felt that kind of like deep good. And so mm -hmm. I think that it's absolutely attainable. It's just hard to find because people are fucking crazy. People are crazy and people have their own bullshit and then... Sometimes people don't go to therapy or sometimes therapists are bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all watch TikTok and Instagram videos that are like, like I got lost in uh, this therapist talking about like attachments. And then I was like, oh, this is my attachment. This is what I've been <laughs> yeah, attracting. Yeah. And then there was this other Instagram that was like, attachments are bullshit because human relationships are just inherently complicated and you cannot boil them down to singular attachment styles. And I was like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny because I've, I've been reading about attachment theory recently and I was like, well, I guess where I fall is like disordered attachment where sometimes it's anxious and sometimes it's secure and sometimes I run one a lot of distance. And it's, and when you say that, I'm like, I'm, oh, I'm a human being. Yeah, that's literally, I mean... When I like was reading about the attachment styles, I was like, oh, well, I'm definitely anxi anxiously attached. But then I was like, no, I also push people away and I do need reassurance. And then I I think we're all disordered. Yes, we are. Like, I don't think there's anybody who's absolutely... I think there's maybe 
0.0% of people who are securely attached. Mm-hmm. And then even then, I think that's like a lie. Yes. Because, you know, you go through things. Well, and you know that those secure people, like, it actually, it's dependent on the relationship, right? Like, I can be in a really, I have been in a relationship with somebody who was really good at making me feel small. And so I was anxiously attached. I've been with someone mm-hmm. who's like always meets me where I am. And so I feel very secure. I, but, you know, it's like it, that, it's sure, it's my brain structure, but my brain structure is like every other human being. I'm adjusting to what's in front of me. I'm adjusting mm-hmm. to what I'm actually dealing with. Is someone pushing me away? Great. I'm going to be anxious. Yes. And I think that's where the attachments fail to like talk about. It's like, yeah, you were just adjusting to what you're being given. It's like uh, tennis. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. If something's being hit to the left, you're going to do backhand. Uh-huh. I don't know. Do you know? Yeah, <laughs> you are. You're going to go backhand hard every time. And you better hope that right? backhand has some practice on it. Just a little bit of practice so you don't hurt your little wrist. But you know, that that is that is the thing that I find so much now is like, you know, a lot of this therapy language was just so wonderful and has given people so mm-hmm. much more access to parts of themselves that they didn't have language for before is also being dramatized and weaponized in like very ridiculous ways. And we're seeing like, like the word of the year was trauma last year with like mm. 2020s like Miriam Webster like word of the year I think it was like trauma or maybe that was this year I can't fucking remember and I'm like oh yeah you know you are kind of hearing that everywhere and if you're hearing trauma everywhere everyone's talking about their trauma then I think once again we're just talking about being a hu- human being I fucking agree because I do think we all we all do have trauma and trauma your trauma to you might be like, oh, so something bad happened. Like, this doesn't seem that terrible, but it was traumatic to you. And I do think people are misusing trauma as just like a human experience. Yes. Or like that was a negative experience for me. I'm like, well, you know, it's there's also a relativity here where like our trauma now is uh, it can be like my mother was not very communicative. And so that's the Mm -hmm. trauma where I'm like, y'all, we were getting eaten by lions <laughs> okay <laughs> so let's, let's just be a little little grateful uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i yeah shit could always be worse but like not to negate people's trauma but like i do think we use it in such a strange way yes where it's like my my trauma i mean not to go back to the ultimatum but this man before he revealed his <sighs> you know big secret was like my mom was a truck driver on the road. And I was like, I understand being neglected, but also were you neglected or was your mother just gone? I'm sorry, were you neglected or was your mother working? That's like an, uh, that's yeah. a, a thread that I hate. Like, oh, you had a single mom and she had a job, bro. Like, and now that's your trauma. I understand that you wish you had more time with her, but maybe it, it's maybe the the way to frame this argument is that we need a little bit more grace in our framing. I, mm-hmm. my, if I'm him and I'm trying to do this in a healthy way, I go, okay, I'm a little bit, I feel a little bit anxious in my attachment style because my mom was constantly on the road and I know that she was doing whatever she needed to to provide for me because my dad was not in the picture. Like, you know, he had died. But uh, it, I, I do want, I need more attention, maybe than you can give me, but mm-hmm. I just need that attention. And that is language I'm good with. Like it, because it's putting yes. all the responsibility on me. It's, it's me saying, okay, this a hundred percent, this is my experience, AKA my trauma. This is my trauma experience. And it's helped me learn this about myself. 
and this is why I'm gonna need this and this is a boundary that I have and if that works out for us that's awesome and if it doesn't work out for us I will not blame you for not being able to do that but I can't be in your life yeah I think that's a very very adult way to explain things and that's language that I wish I had uh, in that relationship I was in I was not good at explaining why I felt things. Um, and I wish I had like the language to be like, hey, I don't know why I'm grumpy right now. I might know in a couple minutes. I might know in an hour. Yeah. But I'm down to hang out even though I'm feeling grumpy if you are. <gasps> oh, I love that. I have had, I literally had to say that today. So it's tough to, to, well, it's one thing to like, it's tough to admit that you're in a bad mood because you're like, well, I want to be my best self for this person. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you're not your best self 100% of the time. And sometimes you're grumpy and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I, my, my language today was, look, I know I'm being a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Like, I'm about to get my period. I know I'm being a cunt. Like, I woke up this morning and I thought about crying. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just one mm -hmm. of those mornings where you're like, I'm literally not myself. Like, my hormones are making me insane. What I'm going to do today is going to be harmful, so I need to take space. And the nice mm -hmm. part about it was that I'm in a relationship where I literally was able to say all those things. And she was like, oh, bummer, I wanted to hang out today. But was like, great. Thanks for letting me know. What a relief. What a relief. That's nice. It's nice. Real quick, we got to take a break. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Can I ask you, how did you get into comedy? Just to change gears a little bit. Yes, um, I got into comedy in college. I... The second city, you know, the comedy theater, the second city came to my town, hometown of Cincinnati, and they did a local show like, you know, they, they had written for the city itself. And I took one of their workshops while they were running through town. And truly, the minute I took this improv workshop, I was like, I was one of those people that's like an instant, like I mm -hmm. became a freak about it. And I took every workshop that they offered, and then I took all the workshops that my local, like, theater offered, and then 
And that was like a three to four month period. And then I transferred schools. I transferred schools to go to DePaul so I could keep getting my degree while doing comedy. And I, I think there was just this, uh, there was that feeling of always having been the funny kid, but not knowing what that looked like. Like, you know, when I, I don't remember knowing about stand-up comedy theaters in mm-hmm. Cincinnati in the 90s. I'm sure that they existed, but what like that's not on my radar as a kid. And improv comedy was not on my radar as a kid, but I was always the funny person in my community. And so then once I found that outlet, I went super hard. That changed everything. I like that. I like that because like comedy theaters and, you know, stand up clubs, they do exist. But like growing up, I had no idea. Nobody was ever like, oh, Nicole, you're kind of funny. Let me take you to like a like a kid friendly show or whatever. It was right. never something that was like accessible to me until I moved to New York and was like, oh, oh, this is a thing I can do. Did you do improv? I did. I uh, I found UCB a couple years after I graduated from school and was like, oh, this is fun. This is what I want to do. Fun. It is fun. Uh, it was it was a good time. And I do think it teaches you so much about life. Like, you know, it's it's it, it's become kind of a joke that it converts people so hard. But I do think <laughs> like improv and stand up, they both they teach you how to connect with people in some way or another. So I. Yeah. And, and enough so that I was able to, you know, get jobs on TV without having to go to acting school because comedians understand people, you know, like Mm -hmm. we can act because we are constantly studying the human experience. We're just not doing it in black turtlenecks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Acting school is funny. I did go to acting school and we would have to do things like they'd be like, walk like an iguana. And you'd be like, okay, when will I ever use this? And I'll tell you something. I haven't. Yeah. I think people, I think theater school is, is, was, I what I literally was not brave enough. I was not brave enough to be that on board for something. Do you know what I'm saying? It is, it is pretty brave to sign up for theater school <laughs> and do some Shakespeare with other 19 year olds. God damn. Um, you're also into music. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're in a band. Yes. I have a. Called Twin. I, yeah, I'm in a band called Twin and uh, we, we. We actually got a, we put a song of ours on Grey's Anatomy in 2022 or 2020. Yeah, 2022. And so that was great for our band. And then this last year, I wrote a solo album. And um, it's actually coming out today. My my solo Congratulations. EP. Uh, Violence is coming out today. And I am stoked about that because it's just been, it feels like it's a long time coming. Although a year is not really a long time for an EP, but. I don't know. I think it's a long time. And I'm glad it's out. Thank you. Where can people find it? Anywhere music is streamed. Um, and I want you to listen to it because I think it's really fun and horny. And I'm really proud of it. And I had so much fun doing it. It was just like of all the... I I have fun doing every kind of version of the art that I do. I love writing for TV. I love being on TV. I've loved Twin. I've loved... I. But this really was me. And that mm-hmm. feels like I'm sharing something kind of, you know, very precious in a way that I haven't before. I like that. Thank you. I like when people share precious parts of them. It feels, um, I don't know, it feels exciting and it feels cool that someone's giving you like a little piece of them that feels important. Yes, this is an important piece of me. This is a very horny, important piece of me. 
I like that it's horny. It, I, I, also, it is really horny. It's like inappropriately horny. <laughs> Every song's like, can I fuck you? I mean, legit, kind of. And when I sing it on stage, like, you know, I've like started doing shows around LA and like going to New, New York. And when I sing the songs in front of people, I'm full ass like, whoa, what the fuck, bro? Like, I'm smiling while I sing them because I'm like, I, can't, I literally, I feel like I'm cursing in front of my mom. I like that. One of my favorite jokes is a joke that I don't do often because it's the way I've worded it is wild. And I every time I do it, I laugh my way just right through it because I think it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> and I do love when you do something that's like kind of risque, but also it's like this is very earnestly. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's earnest. That's the that's the thing is there's nothing about it that I'm like, oh, that's not true. Like there's nothing about it that I'm like, hmm. I was just pretending to be horny. I wrote these songs mm. like a cat in heat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, oh, here's something. During the pandemic, you developed personal workouts for your friends? Yeah, I did do that. Um, That's nice. Yeah, you know, we were just all losing our fucking minds. And I was thinking like, you know, like, well, I don't know what everybody else was doing, but my partner and I at the time were drinking like two bottles of wine a day with these like massive mm -hmm. Italian meals. And I have always loved like being active, but I just wasn't like, I was just like, okay, I guess we're on vacation. And then, you know, six months of the vacation where everyone was dying hit. And I was like, wow, I don't think I can bend my knees. <laughs> and so I got, I did get, I got all my friends kind of on board and would, was just kind of texting people being like, what do you want to do? Uh oh, sorry. My mom is calling me, and so it just interrupted this screen. Okay, oh no. and I'm back. I love it. Ignoring mummy. Yeah, don't I don't tell her. She maybe she'll listen. She, she doesn't know where to find podcasts. I won't. Imagine I call her right now, and I'm like, "Did you know you were ignored?" <laughs> oh, she she would be upset. It's hot in here. I turned off the AC for the recording. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, did you get hot? Because you're like, your mom's going to yell at you. Yeah, <laughs> I live in fear. Um, but yeah, you know what? The the thing about giving your friends customized workout, it's it's that everybody has a different body. And so I was just texting when my friends and I were texting because people ask me what they should do to work out because I think for some reason I've just made it seem really fun and accessible. And so they mm -hmm. would ask me for a little workout and I would say, what are your goals? And then I would text them exercises that I would, thought would help. It was never about, the goal was never to like change their body. It was always to be like, mm -hmm. what will get you comfy again? Hold on, my mom is calling me again. Mom, I am on a podcast right now. Please stop calling. I will call you back. I'm sorry, I thought, I thought my phone had made a mistake. No, your phone has not made a mistake. It's if, if, if I have to cancel it, so if it rings once and then it stops, don't call again. <laughs> okay i love you i'll call you right after bye-bye <laughs> that was a very mom conversation <laughs> if the phone rings and i don't answer don't call again oh. was it my mistake <laughs> yes it was. i don't know if you heard her say like i thought my phone was broken like she thought her phone was broken because i didn't answer I just, I really love people of a certain age because, like, how did you arrive at that conclusion that your phone is broken because the other person didn't answer you? I think it's total bullshit. I think that she's just like, I will call you till you're dead. <laughs> and I know how to, like, feign, like, elderly. 
Because she's not elderly. She's like 65. So I'm like, oh, so she absolutely knows how a phone works. Yeah, you know how the phone works. This is not, I'm not on a phone call with an 85 year old man. Like, enough. (laughs) That's, I love that very much. Um, But just to go back to your work, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, but I do these workouts with this man named Daniel, who's Australian, and he tells me I can do it. And he tells me I can pause at any time. And he's like, you can just sit down on the couch and watch it until you want to get up again. Uh, It's this thing called the body project. And there's always like a plus size, a fat person behind him and then like a, a more fit person behind him. And then he does the low impact stuff. And I do that because I'm like, oh, it's just fun to see these people have a nice time and then. It's nice to be cheered on. Yes. <laughs> I do love that shit. I love I love working out for the enjoyment of it. And I think that that's, that's a missing part of it is that we're all like, I have to be working out for a thing. Well, right now I've like mm-hmm. injured my back and I'm still going and walking like an elderly person. I am walking on the treadmill at my gym because I'm like, I don't know, it just makes me feel good. And I'm walking really mm-hmm. slow. But there is something mental about being like, but I did something for me today. Like, I honored Mm -hmm. my health today and that felt nice. Like, I'm not going in there and doing, you know, a hundred, you know, thousand crunches every time. I'm like just maintaining the vehicle. And sometimes that's all you got to do. Just maintain that little vehicle. Mm -hmm. ER, do you have anything else that you want to promote? Because we've come to the end. You know, I do have something I want to promote. I So while we were on strike... My the show that I wrote on starring Michelle Buteau came out, uh, Survival of the Thickest, and you were on it. You were in an episode, right? Multiple mm-hmm. episodes? Just one. One episode, and you were great, and Michelle is just so alive and so wonderful. And we haven't been able to really promote this show because it. We literally, I posted about it, and the next day, they were like, no more posting about anything. We're, mm-hmm. we're officially on strike. This show, if you have not already seen it, is such a blast. It's called Survival of the Thickest. It's on Netflix. It's Netflix and A24. Michelle Buteau is just like such a wonderful light. And so if you haven't seen this yet, I just binged the whole thing. I think you'll really love it. And everybody who worked on it is very, very proud of it. Yeah, it is a great show. I'll second you on that. I think I could. Maybe I can't second you on that. I take it back. SAG is still on strike. Well, you wrote on it and WGA is off strike. Yeah, I didn't I didn't act on it. <laughs> so you can talk about it. And me, I'll just be silent and go, mm-hmm. I'll just say, Nicole okay. was great. <laughs> Thank you. ER, I ask all my guests this. Uh, would you date me? 100%. ER, that makes me so happy. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you for being here and doing this. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Oh, thanks. Okay. If you like this episode of why, what is my podcast? Why won't you date? Oh my gosh. You can, (laughs) you can like it. You can rate it. You can subscribe. You can give me five stars. If you write something nasty, uh, why won't you date me at gmail.com? I will read it out loud. Why won't you date me podcast at gmail.com? What did I say? Why won't you date me at gmail.com? Oh no. You got this. Oh, well, I, I don't know the name of the podcast. I don't know the, uh, the, the email address, but it's why won't you date me? podcast at gmail.com mars leave you in saying that that's funny to me okay okay (laughs) this person said lasagna foreplay will commence at a local grocery store we'll get in a very loud petty argument over what type of lasagna pasta to buy we will go home and admit that we're both silly and admit that we love all pasta types i'll make you delicious lasagna to eat on the couch while we watch 90 day fiance afterwards i'll bend you over and eat that bussy like a piranha insert gnashing noises Oh. Cheer <laughs> up. Well, that's it. Bye-bye.
That was a, a wonderful surprise at the end. <laughs> Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer is produced by me, Mars. It's executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, with talent bookings by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Got a question, crazy dating story, or a dirty message for Nicole? Write it to Why Won't You Date Me podcast at gmail.com for a chance to have it featured on a future show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye-bye. This has been a Team Coco production. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.